We'll be reading tonight from Deuteronomy chapter 15. Deuteronomy chapter 15 will begin in verse 7. There's other passages we'll be looking at, so please keep your Bibles open and fingers limbered up and ready to go. I want us to look all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy because uh, the people of Judah were pronounced judgment upon because they had despised the law. And then, of course, this particular situation was mentioned in detail with the next pronouncement upon Israel. So we need to go back to the law to see what's going on because he specifically told them about despising the law. Now, Amos pronounces judgment upon Israel for some pretty bad transgressions that defile the name of the Lord. Uh, we're talking about drunkenness, uh, falling asleep at the altar of an idol, uh, and we, of course we talked about just gross immorality, uh, lack of parenting, and right in the middle of it, right in the middle of all these hideous sins, he talks about the oppression of the poor, talks about crushing the needy, selling the righteous for silver, and the poor for a pair of sandals, and diverting the poor for justice, and taking bribes, all of these things. So we have to understand all of these other hideous sins and God makes a big deal out of oppressing the poor or ignoring the poor. What's up with that? Well, we'll see that it is a big deal as we look at Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? As we read these words, remember, this is the law. This is the law that they were expected to live by. This was the law they promised the Lord they would keep. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you will not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying the seventh year, the year of release is at hand and your eye be evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you and it become a sin among you. You shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you and all your works and all to which you put your hand. For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore I command you, saying, You shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and needy in your land. Let's pray together, please. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you that it is very clear concerning human relationships and how this affects our relationship with you. We ask that we would get a, a good idea of your law, not only to the Israels, Israelites, but Father, your law to us, what you expect us to do as your people, how you expect us to live. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. God is specific with two expectations. This is why what was going on in the land of Israel with Amos is so hideous. And by the way, you will see this over and over as we walk through the prophets. When the prophets are warning Israel and Judah, all of the people of God, about the hideous sins, this pops up quite often. So obviously it was more than just a passing thing or more than just an anecdotal one-time thing. It became a prevalent problem in the land. So he is specific about two things. First of all, the care for the poor. In the book of Deuteronomy, where we just read, verse 7 and 8, 
If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates of your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you will not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. You will open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his needs, whatever he needs. First of all, he says, let's take care of the poor. Well, it's quite interesting if you understand when this was written. This was written in about 1450 B.C., about 1450 B.C., and quite interestingly, if you'll turn to Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17, we see this thing echoed again. Proverbs chapter 19. There's two things quite interesting about this passage of scripture. I'm not going to walk through all the passages in the Bible that has to do with giving to the poor. We don't have that much time tonight because there are many. But I want to look at some major points about what we're looking at here. First of all, as we look at the specific passage of scripture and just read this in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17, he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord and he will pay back what he has given. Now, the thing that's interesting about this, this was written by Solomon in approximately 1000 BC. So we're talking about 450 years has passed. Has God's law changed? Absolutely not. Has God's expectation changed? Has he kind of altered it because maybe culture has changed and maybe the demands on the people have changed and now they're in a land and everything's kind of different now? Absolutely not. His word has not changed. In 450 years, his word is still the same. His expectation is still the same. He says this, blessed is he and he that has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. So we understand that, of course, that is an expectation from God. Now, if you'll back up a few years, in Psalms chapter 41, verse 1, blessed is he who considers the poor. Now, what's interesting about that, the time frame's about the same. Who wrote the Psalms? David. Who wrote Proverbs? Solomon. And so we have David teaching his son about what the Lord expects from us concerning the poor. You remember this morning we talked about the problem in the, the land when Amos was preaching and the, the indication of course was a lot of the problems that, that came on the country is because fathers were not passing on the law of God to the succeeding generations. Well here we have Solomon saying he that gives to the poor or has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. And his father said blessed is he who gives to the poor who considers the poor, father and son, it works when we are diligent to teach our children the, the succeeding generation the things of God. It starts in the home and it continues in the church. So the programs of the church, the projects of the church, the way we go about it is we teach the succeeding generation. It should start in the home, but if it doesn't start in the home, church steps in because there are a lot of homes where this doesn't happen. But you know what? A lot of these kids in a lot of these homes where this doesn't happen, they'll come here. They'll come here for a youth program. They'll come here for Awana, and we'll teach them. It's our job. This generation should teach the next generation. Here's an essential fact. Our treatment of others directly reflects our relationship with God. He that has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. So it's as if we are giving to God. How? Our treatment of others impacts our relationship with God. David said, blessed is he 
that considers the poor. And so it reflects our relationship with God, but it also affects our relationship and impacts our relationship with God. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was naked and you clothed me. I was poor and you gave to me. And they said, we never saw you in this way. He said, if you've done it to them, you've done it to me. So it reflects what we really think about the Lord, how we treat others around us. And it impacts how we relate to God. If our heart is hardened against others, our heart is also closed to God. And our relationship with God will suffer because of this. Also, God honors a compassionate heart. Of course, Proverbs 19 says this. You give to the poor, you're lending to the Lord. He says, oh, by the way, God's always going to pay it back. Now, he may not pay it back in kind. You give something to the poor and you say, where's my $20? Where's my $20? God's going to give you something else, maybe a lot more worth than $20. It's maybe give you a spiritual blessing. That's a lot better than money. It's a lot better than money. So we understand God's never going to ignore the fact that we were generous and kind to others. Of course, in Deuteronomy, where we read, it says, You shall surely give to him. Your heart will not be grieved when you give to him. For this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works. Now, do you remember a passage of scripture way over in the New Testament where it says God loves a cheerful giver? Okay, so we're going to give to someone who has a need. Oh, all right, okay. And so our hearts grieve, and we kind of give because we're just kind of hacked off about it. No, 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 don't expect a blessing there. He said, don't let your heart be grieved. You know that God's going to bless you in this. So we have the care for the poor, and he says this, and the poor will never cease from the land. Why is that? Because we live in a broken world, and we live in a broken world and sometimes an unfair world, and a broken world in which sometimes things happen. And as we go through this world, sometimes we have to do without things, and things are not real comfortable, because God has to remind us, this is not our final home, and we're just passing through. And the poor will have with us always, and the poor, of course, offer us an opportunity for service. So we have the care for the poor. And so the one sin that we have that's listed here in the book of Amos is to ignore them, to ignore them. You know, because we don't know where they really need anything and oh, I don't have time for all this and I'm going to get taken advantage of and, you know, there's a sucker born every minute and I'm not going to be one of them. So we just don't give anything to anyone. So we ignore them. Well, there's one sin. But then we have the other specific thing that God mentions, and that's the oppression and exploitation of the poor beyond neglect. Now turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 24. It's just a few pages where you are. Now this is where the, the people in the land had a problem that Amos was addressing. They weren't just ignoring the poor. They were getting rich off of the poor. They were exploiting them, and what little they had, they were wringing every last bit out of them and taking them to court and getting all of that and leaving them destitute. They were exploiting the poor. Now, God has a specific word about this. In Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 10, 
verse 10. And we'll read through the, through the first few verses and we have actually just kind of a, uh, a list of principles to live by. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 10, when you lend your brother anything, you shall not go into his house to get his pledge. You will stand outside and the man to whom you lend will bring the pledge out to you. So therefore, number one, respect his dignity. Now the passage of scripture that brother Jeremy brought out is the debtor is a slave to the lender. However, the lender does not have the right to go barging into someone's home to get the collateral. And that's what was happening in the book of Amos is you have this guy, big wealthy guy, guy has to borrow money, so he has collateral. and He just walks in his house, says, I'll take that. You respect their dignity. You can't go charging into their house. He said, you stand over there and you let the man come bring you the collateral. We consider, of course, we continue in verse 12, and if the man is poor, you will not keep his pledge overnight. You shall in any case return the pledge to him again when the sun goes down, that he may sleep in his own garment and bless you, that it may be righteousness to you before the Lord your God. And you say, hmm, I've heard this before. You see, that was all the way back in the book of Exodus. God gave the law to the children of Israel 40 years before. He's reviewing it in the book of Deuteronomy. So 40 years later, he hadn't forgot about this. He said, oh, by the way, if you take collateral of a man's coat or his overcoat, and, and the poor would, would sleep in that, it would be a big heavy cloak, he said, you give it back to him when the sun goes down. Now, this is twice he's mentioned that. Now, what was the big problem in the book of Amos? The lender was keeping the collateral overnight fallen asleep drunk on the man's coat and the altar of a false god now anybody want that coat after that's going on do you want that coat back you see he has not respected his dignity and he's not considered his comfort Let's continue on in verse 17. You shall not pervert justice due to the stranger or to the fatherless or take a widow's garment as a pledge. You remember that you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you this thing. Always pursue integrity. Always pursue integrity. See what was going on is they used their money to bribe judges. Oh, it worked. It worked for them, and they were getting rich off of it. But there was no integrity here. There was no fairness. And always pursue integrity. Respect others' dignity. Consider others' comfort. Always pursue integrity. And then, the last thing, we'll look in verse 19. When you reap your harvest in your field, and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It will be there for the stranger, for the fatherless, for the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over the boughs again. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, for the widow. And when you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you will not glean it afterwards. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. You will remember you are a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this thing. So what he's saying is, look, you have plenty. Remember that. You have plenty. And what he's saying is this practice of gleaning was put into place 
40 years earlier and they traveled through the wilderness and before they got into the land, God said, oh, I want you to remind you of this. You're going to have fields with a lot of grain. You're going to have vineyards with a lot of grapes. You have olive trees with a lot of, of, of olives on them. And I want you to leave some behind and not get all the corners and the poor in the land can come glean off of that. It was a practice that was adopted and it was a practice that worked. And he said, when you go over the, the olive tree and your grapevines, he said, don't go after every last stinking grape. He said, get what's a good crop. And when you leave some behind, God can use that. Consider your resource. In other words, we have plenty. We have plenty, so therefore we can afford to give something to the poor and to give something to the needy and to give something to someone whose house is burned down, who has been sick in the hospital. We can afford to take care of those who have had emergencies and have had problems. Now we may say, we don't have a whole lot to give, and God has reminded them, you know, you're in a good land of plenty, and you are blessed above all nations of the earth, so therefore remember your resources as we continue to deal with the needs of others. Now, this is all interconnected with the New Testament church. Did you know that? Of course, we have these principles in the New Testament church, but all this is interconnected with exactly what we're commanded to do. And if you'll turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 58, it kind of comes full circle. There's the what. Now we deal with the so what. How does that apply to us? After all, this was this was over a thousand years ago. This was like, no, 3,000 years ago. This was in 15 B.C., 3,500 years ago, and Solomon David wrote 1,000 years before Christ. Here it is, the year 2016, 3,000 years later. What's this got to do with us? Well, Isaiah kind of puts it all in perspective. And so we'll borrow from Isaiah before we actually walk through his book. In Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, that you bring to your house the poor that are cast out, when you see the naked that you cover him, and hide not yourself from your own, hide not yourself from your own flesh, that your light may break forth like the morning, and your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. And you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry, and he will say, Here I am, if you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and speaking wickedness. If you extend your soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually, and satisfy your soul in drought, and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden, and a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Now, what does this have to do with the New Testament church? What did Jesus tell us? He said, you let your light show so shine before men, and they'll see what you're doing and glorify God. What did Paul say about the church to the Philippians? He said, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Twice in this passage of scripture, it says, when we remember kindness to others, and we remember to do things for those who are less fortunate. Our light 
shines before men. When we remember these principles, we as the New Testament church are fulfilling our obligations. Now, a little practical thing here. Well, don't you think there's a chance where sooner or later somebody's going to take advantage of us? Yes. Sooner or later, you may give to somebody who doesn't really need it. But there's enough people that you know of the need and you know of the emergency and you know of the hurt where you know that this generosity is truly, truly needed. We have plenty of that. So we ask for God's wisdom. And no, I'm not going to stop with everybody with a cardboard sign by the road. If I did that, I wouldn't have anything to give to somebody who really needed something. But I know that sooner or later, there may come a time where somebody who doesn't really need something comes up and they give us a story and we give to them. God's going to bless us anyway because we act on the information we have. And God will deal with them too. But what's the cost of not ever, ever being taken advantage of? The cost is we never, ever open our hand to others. And what did God say about that? That's not the way we live as his people. And it brought judgment on the children of Israel that's pronounced pretty much through all the prophets because not only were they ignoring the needy, they were oppressing the needy. And I hope it never gets to that, but let's not even start with the first one. Always have a heart for those who have the needs around us. Is there anything before we close?